Welcome to Divinely Modern, a progressive Christian podcast for approaching faith with critical thinking, liberating from toxic religion, embracing doubt, and discovering a loving God. Divinely Modern offers support and conversations for exploring faith in the modern world and finding divinity all around us. Although some conversations may relate to religion overall, this podcast specifically touches on the journey of deconstructing conservative Christianity. I'm Haley the Scientist, a physics researcher, feminist, and someone who loves God and loves caring for God's creation. To learn more about my platform and my story, check out my website and blog at HaleyTheScientist.com. Haley spelled H-A-L-E-Y. Now let's explore what it means to be divinely modern. Today's conversation is all about embodiment, healing, meditation, centeredness, and exploring what spirituality even means. Growing up, the idea of spirituality gave me a mental image of clouds, especially of clouds opening up to reveal God in heaven, a God who always looked like a massive old white guy with a long beard. Obviously, that mental image has changed a lot over the years. So what does spirituality look like? Is it a dramatic cosmic experience or possibly Does it look more like the very breath in our lungs, the steps we take to heal, connect, grow, and experience divinity everywhere in a very, very tangible way? Today, we have Anita Grace Brown, author of the book, Kamikaze Yogi, Christ, Yoga, and the Courage to Emerge. Don't worry if you don't know what kamikaze means. We talk about it and what it means in our conversation. Actually, it wasn't until prepping for this episode that I learned that a person who does yoga is called a yogi, and I just think that is so fun. I absolutely love it, and that's just the start. I have learned so much from Anita, and I know you will too, so let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited for this episode. We are talking with Anita Grace Brown about yoga and meditation, spiritual healing. There's actually a lot we're going to be talking about today, so I'm very excited. So, Anita, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself and your platform? Hey, Haley. It's really great to be here. I've been looking forward to this for like the past two months. I love that you're a scientist. So I imagine Mm -hmm. as I share different parts of what I've learned and my story, that what's going to light up in you is really going to be different than the way that I operate. And so that's what I'm really excited for, especially to hear what's alive in you as a scientist that like, (laughs) oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. So what led you to writing about yoga, meditation and healing? Um. I was in my forties and I had never written anything since college. And I took this course in holistic spirituality at a local college Mm -hmm. and I was really proud of myself, but I I like that term. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. And most of the women in the class, there were 12 of us were there to become different um, pastoral um, roles. And I was just doing it, you know, for fun. And so because I was doing it for fun, I said to the nun who was the um, 
teacher, uh, I'm not going to write any of the essays and I'm not going to take the tests. I'm just here like auditing. You know, I paid my money and I'm doing air quotes, auditing. (laughs) I was, you know, 44 years old. And I thought that all that schooling was behind me. And if I just wanted to learn, I could do it my way. And she laughed and she said, oh, Anita, you will do all of the (laughs) and you will do all the tests. And so it was like this thing happened inside of me, like my learning isn't over. It's actually just beginning. Mm. So I excelled. I did a really great job and I found this new belief in myself and I began writing and I began writing poetry and blog posts and um, I did my yoga teacher training, and that was uh, extraordinarily t- challenging to be one of the oldest, you know, in a group of 20-somethings and 30-somethings. And then after many, many years of practicing yoga and teaching yoga, um, I started to feel the Holy Spirit say, it's time, it's time to put all this into a book. And I was like, I have no idea where to begin. I guess I could write a memoir. I could just write my story. And so for a year, I basically just took all my journal entries and I sent them to an editor that I hired. And I said, here you go. Can you turn this into a book for me? And she was (laughs) like, that's not how it works. (laughs) You need a structure even for a memoir. And then as I began to really discern and pray what Kamikaze Yogi Christ Yoga and the Courage to Emerge, which is the whole title, uh, was meant to be um, the structure formed around chakras and Mary Magdalene's seven, I called them her chakra demons or chakra gems, because when they're healed, they become, you know, more of uh, our, uh, I hate to, I don't really love the word superpowers, but sometimes they like superpowers. Um, So it's part memoir. I just trusted that this was this necessary East meets West journey, that my yoga practice and my faith journey were one journey. And that that's why I started out the conversation by saying, I'm excited about the science because I feel like that's what God does. He's always bridging us to these other areas. And he's saying, see how they belong together. See how these things fit. Your work life isn't separate from your prayer life, you know, who you are and especially your identity in Christ, is your work in the world, no matter whether you're volunteering or you're raising the kids or you're writing a book. So Mm -hmm. that identity is what um, was solidified through the writing process, because it's that belief that God's guiding me and that God is healing me and that I can share this with others with confidence because a lot of Christians have heard a lot of things about yoga um, that they're a little fearful or a lot fearful. And I'm trying to come alongside, not just as a yoga teacher, but as a writer now saying, um, First of all, there's nothing to be afraid of when it comes to Jesus. And second of all, there's nothing to be afraid of when it comes to your mind, your body, and your spirit, and your discernment over whether yoga and its healing properties through your nervous system, through your um, becoming regulated, present, including all the parts of you, um, there's nothing to be afraid of in that regard. And, and that's what I found with yoga. It's a remembering that we are whole mm. and that 
we're often in the world in our ego or in our um, trauma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're remembering that we are whole. That's just so beautiful. I love that so much. And this is why I've been so excited about this conversation. So I thought it'd be really fun to start out with one, a very uh, open-ended question. And I just like talking about spirituality in general. So just to start out, how would you describe a spiritual life? Um, a spiritual life to me is where I am confident that the who of me is enough. So sometimes the spirit feels a little bit supernatural, but most of the time not. Most of the time we're just breathing. Mm -hmm. And that's spiritual right there. But does it feel uh, extraordinary? Maybe not. Maybe it feels like the most ordinary of breaths. But there's something extraordinary happening when we return to that breath within us. We're, we're a little bit more present. We're a little bit more opening our awareness and our consciousness. Um, so the breath is so very powerful. This might be a good time to ask you if uh, I could lead you in some breath. I would absolutely love that. Okay. What I had in mind was, and uh, those listening, you can imagine that uh, Haley and I are both putting right hand on our hearts mm. and left hand on our bellies. Okay. And you can close your eyes if that feels okay. And feel your seat on the chair and your feet on the ground. Feel your clothing on your skin. And notice your natural breath. Notice the rise and fall of your chest and your belly. Notice if you're breathing in through your nose or in through your mouth. And if you're breathing in through your mouth, begin to close your mouth and deepen the breath, breathing in through the nose and draw the breath down deep into the belly. Puff it out like a balloon. And let the exhale be nice and long. And as you exhale, let the shoulders relax. And then one more big inhale through the nose and then hold at the top. And then we're both gonna sigh it out the mouth. <sighs> and we're gonna press our prayer hands together and bring our thumbs to our sternum. We're just going to thank Jesus for being here with us and guiding our conversation. And that spirituality is meant to be an everyday realization of how precious it is to be alive and how precious that breath is. So to me, spirituality is remembering that I'm more than my ordinary mind thinks I am because of our connection to creator. 
And that we remember that this breath was called the Ruach. And it's the Ruach of the Living One, the Holy Spirit. Now back to our conversation. How are you feeling? Amazing. I absolutely loved that. So simple, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I tried to bring forth in the book was that even though yoga is in the title and readers might not see themselves as somebody who's either even interested in yoga or yoga is not for them, yoga is simply how you feel right now, mind, body, spirit, unity, relaxed in your body, fully present. And the yoga practice, I call a body prayer because we have these parts, right? So we make these fun shapes, cat, cow, and child's pose and warrior. And my understanding and my experience is those shapes speak to parts of us that are like in the subconscious, my inner child and my amygdala and my primal self and my brain that my fear center and I work with that and I and I take a warrior position and some part of me lets go of fear and says oh yeah I can be a warrior where in my life is God asking me to be braver and that's why we need to work with the nervous system because if we don't have that um, connection the gut brain access uh, courage is going to be really hard. And that's part of my story is that uh, the trauma really disconnected that gut brain axis for me. And once that uh, was reconnected, I found myself being braver and braver in a lot of areas of my life. Mm, I love this so much. I'm so glad you're here. So much of my personal story is that growing up, I was I, I say that was very involved in religion and I knew the theologies. I knew the doctrines. We might come from a very um, bookish family. <laughs> so we were all the readers. And so like, I felt like I understood and knew so much about religion and so little about spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it really hasn't been until the last like three years, two or three years, that I really actually started to explore these ideas. And even from what you're talking about, it sounds like it's so much about embodiment as well of it's a full body experience is being present in that moment. And that is so beautiful and still so foreign to me. It's, I, I just love hearing about it because spirituality is so, so different than what I call like the textbook religion of that I grew up with, I feel like. So anyway, it's just, I'm just reiterating why your message is so important. (laughs) Thank you. Spirituality is meant to be embodied Mm -hmm. and simple and you, you develop your intuition and then your relationship with Jesus, like it all works together in your mm-hmm. prayer life when you uh, have those intuitive hits. And sometimes it might feel really supernatural to hear from Jesus. And sometimes it's your own voice, but you know, your voice is inside of his love and his, you know what I mean? Like I, I like to think of the, um, the nesting dolls, 
Mm. <laughs> a little tiny baby and then the bigger and, and then the mom and then the grandma, right? And you open it up. Mm-hmm. That's how I imagine our relationship in Christ is. Like I have my inner child inside of me and grown Anita. And then grown Anita is inside of Jesus. But then you reverse it because he's in me as a little baby, right? Like you think about the the Christ child and that we are being asked to nurture his life, right? So it's sometimes I think of it as two souls in there, his and mine, growing and dancing together. And that's actually a Jewish concept. That's an ancient concept. Wow, that's beautiful. I really love the way that you talk about spirituality as something so physical of an experience as well. When you talk about it as a body prayer, because that type of language makes it feel more accessible, more tangible, because so many times I've heard people say, I don't even know if I've even ever heard God or experienced God because in like the movies or in, in paintings, it just looks so you know, heavenly with clouds <laughs> and we don't experience that. Normally, most people don't experience that type of an interaction. Right. right. Um, but what if we were to reimagine spirituality as such a in body experience, we might be more able to recognize when we experience God. Agreed. I was thinking today, I watched my four-year-old cousin on Wednesdays and, uh, if she's hungry or she's tired, she's just, you know, really difficult to deal with. She's not uh, using her imagination. She's not playing. She's either throwing a tantrum or whining. I do the and same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we can relate. And then I feed her or I, you know, hold her or uh, however our nervous systems then regulate together. And next thing you know, there she is playing school or playing, I'm going to work. And it reminded me today that that's how I am now, now that I'm healed, now that I've got all these connections happening inside of me, I'm just this naturally creative human, but Mm -hmm. I never knew that about myself. That's why I got into my forties and I just had all these blocks like, no, that's not for you. You can't do that anymore. Don't be ridiculous. And then one by one, these opportunities, believe in yourself, become a yoga teacher, believe in yourself, right. Um, believe in yourself. I became a life coach last year. These things keep coming onto my path to say yes to. And it's really hard and challenging because, you know, our brains are wired to, you know, kind of stay the course with what you know. And it's like, no, God really wants me to keep growing, expanding and learning. And there's different kinds of learning. Like you said earlier, there's a place for book learning and for knowledge. Mm-hmm. There's a quote in the Bible about how knowledge puffs up, but love is what builds up. That's story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say more. Growing up, I just was a theology person and I just thought I was so smart. I just, I really did. Like I, I would not be able to bear a conversation with like high school me, not even college me, um, because I just thought I knew everything deconstructing my faith just changed so much and the awareness of how little I know in the world brought so much I think I think I've become a much kinder person in general and kindness and love they go together beautiful 
Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're working with that head and heart balance. Um, of course, the mind um, is so important and that's what the nervous system regulation brings about. So there's a statement in uh, the somatics world called story follows state. So if we're dysregulated, but we don't really know that we're dysregulated because we just don't know ourselves that well, and we don't know our bodies that well, then we're in a story that we think is just who we are. Or that's just how life is. That's how the world is. That's not true. You regulate your nervous system and you release all of those fear statements, all of those anxieties, and you enter that kingdom, that creativity, it's all restored. And so people, that's really good news because to regulate your nervous system, anybody can do it with the tools and with each other. We, you and I just breathing together, we got deeper into co-regulation with one another. Um, and like I said, with Isabella today. And that's something important for people to understand with their children. If I'm dysregulated as mom, the children are going to feel that and they're going to react and behave hmm. from that. So there couldn't, I don't know if there's anything more important than learning about how to regulate your own nervous system. That's wonderful. So let's get into the meat of your book, what is Kamikaze Yoga? Well, I um, have a beautiful story about our godson. He passed away about four years ago at age 29 of a brain tumor. And during his last few months, he couldn't speak anymore. And I went to visit him one day and he knew nothing about this book that I had been working on. He didn't know anything about the title. And he showed me an image on his phone of his next tattoo that he was going to get. And at the time, I was just, um, if you can picture a, a, a pilot, but it's a, a death look, right? Like a, um, a skull. Mm. It was so disturbing at the moment that I just didn't know what to say. And I went home and I contemplated it. And I realized that he was getting a kamikaze pilot tattoo. And I prayed because he couldn't speak to me. And so I, all he could do was send me hearts from his phone. And I would write, Kyle, are you trying to say, you know, you're more than this physical body? And he would send hearts. And I was like, I see you getting that pilot is, you know, that death has you, that that's headed, headed your way, but that you are going to fly right through it, that you are headed somewhere back to God. And he would just send me these hearts. And I was like, he and I have this soul connection beyond words, and he doesn't know anything about my title. And so I began to continue to trust it and do the research. And the word kamikaze has always meant divine wind, which is the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And I think that's really mind blowing for Christians to comprehend everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> that is humbling, right? For us to think that this word thousands of years ago in parts of the country that we may, uh, parts of the world that we may never ever visit they use the word kamikaze to mean the divine wind the holy spirit that just blew my mind 
So to me, a kamikaze yogi is someone that is willing to walk this path with Jesus, which will involve the cross, which will involve the ways that we're meant to die to our own opinions and our egos and let go. Like you described earlier, you thought you were so smart and then you deconstructed and it was very humbling. And there's nothing wrong with smart. Smart is great, right? We need smart people in the world, but love builds up. And so there's wisdom that's coming our way as we continue to mature beyond that first level of intelligence. And um, so a kamikaze yogi is somebody who's really, really brave. And that, I just see people everywhere being brave in their lives. It could have nothing to do with yoga. It's that warrior spirit. It's that person who just chooses to forgive, chooses to heal, because healing is really hard. Healing is, to me, is the path of the cross. When we want to embody and work through our trauma and our shadows, we're we're leaning into that pain. We're leaning into those memories and we need help. We can, you know, get help from, from therapists and friends and family. Um, I did a lot of it alone and I look back and um, I wish I had more companions along the way, but my generation, I entered my forties with a story that um, you kind of just pull up by your bootstraps and you figure it out. There wasn't a whole lot of, um, I go to therapy now, but Early on in my healing journey, I didn't um, know what my options were, but I feel like the world has really changed. People mm-hmm. listening are probably like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine doing this healing without a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. I do love that it, it seems that therapy is becoming way more normalized. You're hearing it talked about, you're hearing people just casually saying, oh yeah, when I was talking to my therapist the other day, they said something really smart. I love, I love how it's becoming normalized. I've benefited so much from therapy (laughs) personally, and I've seen it help so many others. So I'm glad that it's more often seen as an option for people these days. Yeah. And I want people to know, even though I could have afforded therapy at the time, there are people that maybe think they can't afford therapy. So there is a lot that you can do with your own nervous system in nature, with the yogic practices, Mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit. Like you literally have this relationship with God and, and you're partnering and you're listening all the time, both within your body and for these, um, you know, more supernatural messages, um, that there is, I want to encourage people. There is so much that you can do. Like maybe if you can't afford it, or you feel like your family would just, you know, Mm -hmm. judge, Mm -hmm. judge you for like, Oh, there must be something really wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. there are, there are definitely at least options to do at home too. That's, that's a really good point to say. So in your book, you talk about the different chakras. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, some people say chakras, but it's I say chakras. Okay, okay. What are the different chakras and how can we learn about ourselves through them? Um, so we start at the base of us and our root chakra is from feet to pelvis. And that is the color red. So you can think about coming from the dust, the earth. So that feeling of being grounded and connected in yourself and your legs like roots connected to your ancestors. So basically in that part of your body, you have all that connection to where you came from, your very roots. 
Hmm. And then the second chakra is sacral. And that's your um, sex organs. And that is the color orange. This is going to all um, be the colors of the rainbow. So I love that it ties, you know, in so beautifully with the, the science of uh, our bodies are this harmonious rainbow. And the uh, sacral chakra is going to represent relationships, emotions. Um, so root, I didn't say that the chakra is represented by, I did say dust, but it's earth, it's density. And then sacral is water. So you think of your emotions as water and then your relationships. And then just the beginnings of creativity are right there. And then as we move up, we're going to hear more about creativity. Um, and then root is basically like your first two years of life, the care that you received. So any abandonment, which I did have in my, in my uh, journey with uh, being abandoned is going to affect root chakra ability to feel stable, secure attachment. And then sacral chakra is going to be then like age two to six or seven. And so the development that took place in that period of your life uh, can impact uh, sacral issues. And then you want to think about coming up to your gut area. This is your solar plexus. That's the color of the sun. And I've been working with my solar plexus a lot lately because that's your identity. That is, um, right before we got on the call, I had the thought to share with you the most brave prayer I think you can say is to ask God to remove any shame from your identity. Aww. So yeah, this is your solar plexus and we hold some shame there around, you know, who we are, who we are in the world. And that could be from childhood. People, you know, shamed us for things that um, we cared about or things that we said. And you're going to hold that right here at the center of you. And we want to really think about that as a bright shining sun, that we are that pure, bright shining sun and that we don't have anything marring our identity. And um, if I can take a quick story here, uh, the reason I said that about the shame is because that's what God wants for us. And that was like a subconscious prayer of mine. And what happened after the book came out was I was involved in a church for six years. And you assume that the people who love you and you've been walking with for six years are just going to celebrate with you this, this book. And um, my pastor wrote a beautiful review about it on Amazon. And then the church just started to have all these problems that mirrored the world about politics. And as things continued to blow up, I was on the end of cancel culture and people just decided, you know, small group of people, but it doesn't matter. They were people that were my friends. Uh, that they were not going to support my book, that they did not like the title, that they didn't like talking about chakras. They just were uncomfortable. And instead of talking to me about it and engaging with questions and conversation, I just got texts from people saying, um, you know, basically, I, I, I won't have anything to do with that. I'm taking my review down. And one by one, I just felt this shame. And as I prayed, I was like, wow, I didn't see this one coming, God. Like, I'm doing your work. Like, I feel like I've been so prayerful over this message. And um, basically, at, at the end of the day, that's what he showed me. Um, 
you had this little piece of shame in there around your identity and caring what people think. And we all care what people think, but he really wants us to walk that brave path of caring more about what he thinks and more about how we feel about it. That identity that's just so strong in him that no matter what anybody else says, people that we love, um, that we can still discern at the end of the day what the truth is. And I know that my book is nothing but love. My book is nothing but written from a place of desiring people to know wholeness and mm -hmm. healing and, and removal of shame. And that was, it was, I, you know, how like you just have stories that you're just like, I didn't know where that was going. But then when God showed me he, that through that, he was removing shame and I'm like, okay, I'll go through the fire to, you know, to have that at the end of the day, because then we're going to come up right here to the heart. And that is the color green. And the heart is the union of opposites. So uh, there's so many different ways to say that. It's our covenant with God in our heart. It's the union of our, our um, decision to walk with Christ. It's the union of um, the anima and the animus, like psychologically speaking, the inner masculine and feminine. So that's the love you know, center, the union of those opposites. And then we come up to the throat and that is uh, indigo. And you can picture a big sapphire right here at your throat. And all of this energy, all of these colors are working together so that we speak truth and truth in love. And that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible is that the kingdom is not about words, but the kingdom is about power. And power comes when we've really surrendered to Christ and we trust that we are vessels to speak truth in love. And then uh, after throat chakra, we come up to the space um, on the forehead, which they call third eye. It's the same as the Bible saying single eye. We want to be single minded. We don't want to be double minded. We don't want to be out in the world saying one thing, believing another thing, or double minded about our goals. I'm going for this but your body isn't on board. You literally don't have capacity. So single-minded means to be mind and body are one. So when you work in the world, you know that you're in alignment with your capacity and you're not going to burn out. You're not going to just do it, you know, uh, for the worldly goals and then not be able to um, have everything work together. And then finally, uh, so we have indigo, and violet violet is crown and um i might have got my roy g bib blue blue indigo violet <laughs> i had to think about that and so <laughs> you can picture this beautiful lotus blossom above the top of the head and that lotus blossom is just connected to everything it's literally blooming from this uh good tree inside of you and then it's um, open and shining so that God can rain down his blessings through however you want to imagine that. But the crown, it's its an openness. Mm. What does that uh, all bring up in you? That was a lot. That, there was so much there. I mean, we could talk about each of them uh, as a full episode, honestly. But your story actually 
reminded me of one of the questions from the audience. So I like to go online on Instagram and ask people what questions they have. And some of them were already questions I was going to ask, but one in particular really stood out to me. I think it might relate to your story. So Kate wants to know, is there an origin story for when Christians decided to decry yoga's spiritual side? Because I grew up very Mm -hmm. much in the camp of this division between Christianity and yoga, but, and, but you do such a beautiful harmony of them. So let's talk about that backstory of what led to all that. The way that she worded is just a little confusing to me, and I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to answer it as best I can saying that at the end of the day, Jesus wants us to love our neighbor. And so if you have neighbors that are Hindu or Buddhist or Muslim, we should invite them over for dinner and we should enjoy each other's company. And if they're people of deep faith, we should trust that the Holy Spirit in us is going to show us the ways that we're similar and we're going to build bridges in our faiths. And no one's trying to convert anybody and no one's trying to, you know, have Mm -hmm. domination, but we're open hearted to learning from one another. So I feel like that's what Christians often miss out on. I don't know why they're so afraid of learning from other faith traditions and opening themselves up to saying through the Holy Spirit, anyone can be my teacher. I can read Buddhist books. I I can become a better Christian by exploring the rest, what God's doing in the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. right? Like let's uh, lower the fear and be curious and prayerful over what God wants to show us. So I don't, think that exactly answered the question, but I think that it's so unfamiliar to have an inner life of energy and colors and what's happening somatically. But here we are in 2023 and people we know everywhere are saying, oh, you know, I'm learning about somatics and my energy and my chakras and my um how what happened to me as a child is showing up in me physically mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we're hearing this more and more so now is the time to say hmm let me be curious about that versus that that strange uh, you know and it's just so close minded mhm mhm i like that a lot because i think there's so much we can learn from other people's faiths and other people's spirituality doesn't mean we have to agree with everything that we read. Absolutely not, but we can learn from it. And I love that because I grew up very much like if, if I wanted to read a book that had a different perspective, even if it was a Christian book, but in a different Christian perspective, they'd be like, that's not the legitimate viewpoint. You shouldn't be reading that. But some of my favorite books, I completely disagree with the author, but their love for like spirituality and God or whatever the topic would be. I just, I love the way they write about that and you can learn so much from it. And so I think a lot of Christians could learn a lot from yoga and it might seem foreign to them. And there's a lot, I think there are probably a lot of reasons why Christians didn't like yoga I think it's calming down, um, but I'm sure it depends on which denomination a person might be in. 
But regardless, I am very encouraged to see people like you who are seeing this beautiful harmony and saying, no, we can find God and experience God in so, so many ways. And sometimes it's even looking at outside of ourselves to really find it. Anyway, that's a very long monologue. Didn't mean to go down that, but no, (laughs) yeah. Have you ever heard the saying, um, God comes disguised as your life? No, I haven't. It's so cool. And so I feel like that's the feedback that I get from some friends that watch my journey closely is that I see what God's doing in my life, literally everywhere and every day. And I credit the practices for expanding my consciousness, expanding my awareness. And yes, in order to arrive there with this openness, there's a lot of existential dying. And that takes a really brave nervous system. Mm -hmm. So if Christians really want to deepen their faith and, and see God in everything, uh, they'll, they'll realize this is, this is a lot of, um, it's a lot of awe and wonder and a lot of letting go. Mm. I might use that as a quote somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever met a single person who has never, ever struggled with stress. (laughs) So while we're talking about yoga and meditation and just serenity in general, what advice would you give to someone wanting to reduce stress in their life? That's a great question because, yeah, stress is a part of life and there's good stress. There's actually good stress. We don't want to go through life in um, some kind of checked out, you know, in some other realm zone. We Mm -hmm. want to be really tuned in to who we're engaging with. We want to be aware of our surroundings. And that takes a little bit of stress in the system. So um, I think you want to find that inner equanimity. And you have to play around with it. So you could do some different breath practices that really are going to work with bringing the stress up and out that might involve some emotions arising and then see how you feel afterwards. Your nervous system might not be ready for that. Have you heard of the Wim Hof method? Mm -mm. Wim Hof uh, has uh, millions of Uh, followers on YouTube and his books for his breathing method to release and reduce stress. All the science is behind it. But if somebody's really, really uh, never done anything with their nervous system and they're in a, like a trauma um, and stop, stop, really stuck, it might be re-traumatizing. So to me, you want to try these different practices and see whether it's invigorating or whether you feel worse afterwards, which like I said, you just have to know yourself. Uh, So that's one practice that's um, highly, highly recommended for stress is the Wim Hof breathing method, because you can do that anywhere. Um, It's a fast paced breathing method that's really going to bring a lot of um, oxygen, but, uh, you know, a lot of uh, brain, good brain chemicals released. Mm. And then, um, I try to take cold showers a couple days a week. That's another excellent free one. 
that is going to work with those brain chemicals and the dopamine and getting your day started off with that natural kind of a high. Um, I recommend singing because uh, that's going to balance things out instead of screaming. Uh, (laughs) Doesn't have to be freezing cold, but as cold as you can stand it. That's a really, really good one. And then, of course, the stretching. I have a great story about the stretching. When I was teaching yoga uh, about 10, 15 years ago, I had a young woman who was in nursing school and she said, beautiful Christian faith. And she said that when she was at the height of her anxiety in nursing school, she prayed to God and said, I don't know what to do about this anxiety. And she heard, stretch your muscles. So she literally just got into down dog, like she intuitively got into down dog and then she began to just breathe and move because our bodies know what to do and it looked like yoga and then she started coming to my yoga class and she was like i have been doing this on my own for my anxiety because god told me to and so i just love when people say they struggle with anxiety stretch your muscles you're holding that excess survival energy and you can let it go. Mm. I love that stretching, just experiencing moving. That's wonderful. It makes me think of how I was thinking of, I feel like I'm seeing a whole lot more actually pastors, especially female pastors who um, also lead like dance classes because it's a way of like that intersection of of faith and spirituality with with dancing and experiencing and bringing all of it into the body like i'm just seeing so much more of that and i just think it's beautiful so it's just really neat to hear talk about oh that's so biblical in the old testament everyone was always dancing and bowing and singing so that's Mm. the part you you wrote that to me at one point about um i think in one of those questions that it wasn't just about an hour on sundays at church where we are singing and maybe kneeling and maybe you know doing a little bit of movement it is about every day checking in with the body like what would feel good right now asking yourself you might be surprised there's like a lot of wisdom in there you know exactly where I was going to. That was my next question. (laughs) Um, But I love that so much. That view of church being so much more than sitting down for a sermon. Because you're right in like, if you actually look in the Bible, there wasn't just a sitting down listening to a sermon, except for like the Sermon on Mount. You don't really have that as often. You have more feasts and you have people engaging with each other and having fellowship and dancing and singing and, and prayers and and poetry. There's just so much more to it. So I just, I love this re-vision of, of church and religion in general. As you can tell, I get very excited when I start talking about these things and I start talking faster. <laughs> well, it's bringing the whole thing full circle about what is spirituality. Spirituality is your life, right? Like, what do you feel like doing today? What do you want to do in your free time? Do you want to dance? Do you want to walk in nature and, and sing? Like, let the expression be free spirituality is life i love that so much i will probably also quote that (laughs) for anyone new to meditation what does it look like and how does one start 
So that's a really important question because in Christian circles, I would have people over to the house and I would lead them in centering prayer. And what I learned through the yoga journey is you can't just jump to stillness and silence if you have trauma in your system. And I know that personally. And then I would see it with my church friends because they'd say, I'm, go I'm going crazy in here. You're asking me to sit still and, and try to find peace and what God is saying. And it's just like monkey brain. And so I felt like I had a really important message for the church to say, okay, you're on board with centering prayer as like a form of meditation, but you're not trauma informed. You're not able to understand why people cannot do that. They cannot jump to that. Their nervous systems cannot handle that. So that's why physical yoga and that's why breath work. So yoga has eight limbs and really the ones that are easy to remember are the yoga asana, which are the shapes, the breath practices, which is called pranayama and meditation. And uh, meditation has a couple of different forms. Like you could uh, meditate mindfully, you could meditate with visualization. Um, so I want to encourage people to understand that the way their nervous system is wired, they're to have a lot of curiosity and self-compassion because if they want to try meditation and they feel like they can't do it, that's normal. And I practiced yoga for almost the, the physical asana for almost eight years before I was ready to meditate. And I came to meditation, not through the yoga avenue, like yoga studios or any of my trainings. It was really fascinating. I went to a neurologist because I thought I had early Alzheimer's and I was there really upset saying, um, I can't learn new things. I can't, my memory is terrible. I have fogginess. Well, here, this is all symptoms of trauma. But at the time, the neurologist said, you're a board housewife and um, you need to get a job. So sometimes somebody says something to you and it makes you so angry, which anger is a good thing. Anger is a good fuel. I came home and I was like to my husband, I need to figure this out on my own. He was no help whatsoever. So I get on Google and I say, what types of holistic things can I do for my brain? And up popped a book by his coworker at Penn called How God Changes Your Brain. And it's all about meditation. So I ordered the book. I read the book and I began meditating. I was finally ready to meditate. And so that book had methods uh, your listeners can't see me, but I'm putting my thumb and pointer together. And then I'm putting my thumb and my middle together, then my thumb and my ring and my thumb and my pinky. And I'm saying sa, ta, na, ma, sa, ta, na, ma. So you're utilizing movement, you're utilizing sound, and you're working with your nervous system to begin to calm, to begin to regulate. And once I worked with the Sata Nama for probably a month, I began to sit in silence. So it is a step. If, if you study <laughs> the history of yoga, it will say all of this is so that you can sit still and listen for God. All of these practices are so that you can remember that you are in relationship with God and that God is available to you, whether you're going to hear it auditory or 
in your life, you're going to get a message from a friend or walking in nature, just, you know, gazing at the clouds. You don't know how the message is going to come, but all of this practice is so that you know that you're connected and loved by God. Ah, mm. oh, that was just stunning. I love, I love in particular that you validated people's experiences if they felt like they struggled with meditating. I love that that was one of the first things that you said. You're like, that's very reasonable. You're not like doing it wrong or something like that. Then you would talk about why that is, why might someone might struggle with it. That is just such an encouragement. Like you can see that you have such a kind soul and you have such like an empathy for the people you talk to. And it's just so beautiful, just shines through. So as we come to a close with our conversation, I want to ask if you have any last words you want to share with our listeners. Well, I am just so honored to have this conversation with you and to share my path and with your listeners that uh, they can find me online, Anita Grace Brown. I have a business called Groovology, groovology.com. And uh, it's to help you get your groove back through coaching, through yoga, through breath work, all of those modalities. And I just um, love coming alongside of people wherever they are on the path, because I feel like my journey has not been the traditional. It's It's been pretty um, wild. I have a lot more stories that maybe we can do another time <laughs> uh, because God can be trusted in it all. And so wherever people are and whatever they're struggling with, um, I hope that these tools are helpful. I hope they try whatever seems to be that piques their curiosity and to be unafraid to try it. Do it like a science experiment. Hmm. I wonder what would happen if I did this practice every day for a week and, and notice in your body what feels like it's settling down, what, what feels like it's loosening, making space. Mm, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. At this point, I'd already asked Anita all the questions I had planned, so we were technically finished, but then we continued talking some more and spontaneously started a neat conversation about science and faith and how we experience God. So I'm keeping it in as a bonus, like a fun little epilogue to our conversation. Enjoy. Is there something from your science brain that is lighting up? Ooh, so, so I'm not a biologist. If I was, I probably would have more in that area. So I study space. Um, I study um, particularly the sun. So I think I kind of lit up a little bit when you're talking about the solar part of like our core, because like the sun is like the core of our solar system, I guess. So I come from like a, a perspective of studying like radiation bursting out from the sun, just coming outwards into the solar system. And there's so much into it because people don't know that like the the sun has like its own weather, basically not like atmosphere, but like it has storms that burst out and has clouds that come out. It's, it's really complicated. Um, but that's what I study. And that's what I look into. Like there are scientists who go more in and they look at like micro tiny little things. And there are scientists who are more macro. They look at the bigger picture. They look at the, the solar system or cosmology or something like that. And for me on that latter half, 
I think I'm seeing myself as part of something so big and so beautiful is actually a big part of my sense of embodiment because the universe is so complicated and so beautiful and so intricate. And there's so much that happens such that we can literally physically live on earth <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that it just makes everything that here, the biodiversity on this earth, everything about it is just so beautiful to me from that perspective. That's neat because I think that we're a good match because I'm very much wired for the internal micro and you're wired for the macro. So you're really curious about this thing that I'm describing inside, (laughs) right? The energy and the spirit and the colors and uh, you know, the intuition tied in with God and, and you're looking at this glory in creation. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to do more of that. I do that when I'm in nature, but I'm really internally focused. Hmm. I think I've been realizing recently that I'm very into storytelling because I believe that science is like mother nature storytelling. I think that there's so much, it's like science sounds so poetic to me in many ways, um, but maybe that's just me, <laughs> but I think that there's so much about looking at the story of the universe and looking at this big picture, this common thread throughout even the universe. It's the same way of thinking when I look to scripture and looking at the story of scripture and not always getting stuck in the, some of the minute details, but looking at the story of God, the story of humanity and, and seeing that I fit in something so big and beautiful, that to me is a big deal in my life and in my spirituality. But it's been very fun for me to look into some of the more micro side, I guess. I, I don't really know if micro macro are good words, but those are just some of my <laughs> my terms, I guess, today. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that insight. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or would like to dialogue with me, you may join me in my community on Instagram at Haley the Scientist. That's Haley spelled H-A-L-E-Y. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support me, the best way is to write a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you prefer. It makes a big difference and really helps me promote the podcast. Also, I'd like to note that my platform is purposefully not monetized, meaning I am not sponsored, I am not making money off of this, and I'm not selling you anything. My work is entirely inspired by my own interest, research, and commitment to this community. Since podcast episodes do take a lot of time and work, though, I tend to publish about an episode a month, so to stay up to date with my platform, Instagram is the best option. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening and have a divinely modern day.